Welcome to the Illuminating Lives podcast. I'm your host, Israel Smith, and I'm here to share conversations with you about what it means to illuminate our own lives, to be comfortable in our vulnerability, to truly love and value ourselves, and then to be able to use that to light up our own life and shine that light with the people we love and care about the most. This is going to be messy, it's going to be vulnerable, and it's going to be a lot of fun. Welcome, let's get started. Well, hello, dear listener, it's Israel Smith, your host of the Illuminating Lives podcast, back with another episode. I hope you're well. I'm grateful that you're here. It's lovely to chat. It does feel kind of one way. That's the nature of podcasts. I'll be fine. Um, I want to talk to you today about self-love. Now, this is an interesting topic. To me, this is possibly the single biggest thing that I've ever learned, actually, as far as coming to grips with who I am, what my role here is on the planet, um, how to be a better husband, father, friend, colleague, all of the stuff. It's almost like this is, I won't say the silver bullet or the magic key, but it's kind of close. It's one of those things Self-love for me is one of those things where when I worked this piece out, everything started to unfold. I really started to get alignment in my life. So let's talk about it. What is self-love? Well, to me, breaking it down to just the core piece of love A lot of people talk about love as though it's a noun, it's a thing, it's an object, it's a concept. But I subscribe to the view that love is actually an act. It's a verb, it's a doing word, it's a practice. It's something that we show through our actions, our behaviors, our words, feelings, all of that kind of good stuff. And importantly, because it's a doing word, Self-love is also an act. It's a demonstration. It's a series of behaviors. So I wrote down some bullet points before I pressed record today about to me what self-love actually looks like, what it is. And so some of the things that I wrote were, it's about nurturing. It's about listening. It's about caring. It's about honoring ourself. All of these things are relative to the self, to us individually. But you know what it's also about? Forgiving, being kind and compassionate and gentle and trusting ourselves. Probably one of the easiest ways that we can grasp this in analogy or metaphor, refer to your nearest child in your life, whether it's your own child, whether it's a niece or a nephew, whether it's just a friend of your family or somebody you've seen in your local neighborhood. But wherever you are in the world, whatever your connection is, think about a child and think about what really does that child need 
to be their best, to flourish, to thrive, to grow, and to become the most whole, most full version of themselves. You can probably guess where I'm going with this. To me, the single biggest thing they need is love. They need to be loved. Through that act, they can start to feel like they belong. They feel like they're safe. They feel like they can begin to explore the world around them without fear of mistake or fear of death or fear of reprisal or what have you. If they make a mistake, the love is there to catch them. The reason I I kind of go into that is I want you to reflect on that, but replace the child with your inner child, with yourself as you, as though you were a young child. And if you imagine that, and then imagine what would it be like to love that inner child version of you, what does that look like? So why is this so important? I've just recently unpacked this idea that I have been addicted to the opposite of self-love for a very long time. And in fact, I would go so far as to say that I believed that the opposite of self-love, which I'll get to in a minute, that the opposite of that would actually get me where I wanted to go in life. So what's the opposite? Well, it's self-abuse. Whenever we are not being loving to somebody else, in a way we're being abusive either through withdrawal, through distance, through punishment, through acts that are not loving, like that are the opposite of, like obviously we can just withdraw and be neutral, but I'm talking about the opposite, like the other end of the spectrum. I've been addicted to that self-abuse pattern for such a long time, I didn't even realize A, it was an addiction and B, it was a pattern that I was doing to myself. I thought and believed that I could punish my way to success, punish myself into succeeding, I suppose, to be really specific. And so how does that show up in my life? Well, I would, I've always been from school right through university and and my gigs, my different career paths, I've always been quite a high achiever. But I very rarely stopped to acknowledge my achievements. And when I did, it was a fairly fleeting, ah, yeah, that's okay, but what's the next thing? But mate, if I ever made a mistake, if I ever failed at something, if I ever didn't hit a target or a goal or achieve something that I wanted to achieve, I had so much of my identity wrapped up in this sense that I must achieve, I must do all of these things purely to break even and be good enough that if ever I missed one of those things, I would abuse and punish myself mentally, usually like inside my head. Oh, why did you do that? What could have done better there? You know, and I would sabotage myself with stupid behaviors, which I call them stupid now because I've got the awareness, right? But these behaviors like eating crap food, staying up way too late, neglecting sleep, not exercising, denying myself things that would make me feel better, like going surfing or going outdoors and and just moving my body. All of these things I would 
crack the whip on myself to work harder, to push harder, to force more, to do more, all are hoping that by punishing myself in this way, I would achieve the success that I so desperately needed because I was never enough. But that's obviously a broken model. We cannot punish ourselves to success in any kind of sustainable manner. We will break at some point. We will burn out at some point. I know this. I've done this myself a couple of times. I look at other people in my life. It's happened to them. You can't keep whipping yourself over the back. Mind you, you're the one holding the whip. I was the one holding the whip. We cannot keep doing that and expect to have harmony and peace and love in our life on a sustainable level. My premise is that if we don't love ourselves fully, completely, just as we are, honor ourselves, trust ourselves, nurture, care, be gentle and compassionate to ourselves. If we don't do that, how can we possibly give that with integrity to somebody else? And the answer is you can't. I can't. I can't love other people fully, completely, wholly if I don't love myself fully, completely and wholly. I thought that I could, but what I realize now is that there's shadow behaviors that show up. There are different things that come up, anger, frustration, resentment, manipulation, blah, 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 all the, all the nasty stuff in relationships. Whether they're intimate, like with my wife, as a parent, as a friend, as a colleague, at some point, the parts of ourselves that we don't love will show up and they will demand attention and they will cause problems. So it really is our responsibility to turn the dial inward into self-love. That's the way, in my opinion, that we reach a fulfilling, happy, amazing, nourishing, content, beautiful life. But it goes further. I've been reflecting on this a lot. And I guess it's, you've probably had the experience if you've been fortunate enough to ever buy a new car or even buy a secondhand car, but whatever car you end up buying, literally the day after you buy it or the week after you buy it, you suddenly see heaps of them on the road. Have you had that experience? I'm sure you probably have. We just bought a new car before Christmas and I've seen dozens of them since then. I see them everywhere I go, but I'd previously never even noticed that type of car. And there's a name for this. Science calls it the reticular activated system. If you've followed any inspirational, motivational, coachy kind of speaker or person for any length of time, you will probably have come across this concept. It's the concept that what we focus on, we see everywhere. So if we focus on the good stuff, we see the good stuff. We focus on the crap stuff, we see the crap stuff. But here's the thing. Since I've started focusing on my own self-love, and I'll go into a bit later on how I practice that, what does that look like physically, spiritually, emotionally for me during day to day. Since I've started bringing my attention and my awareness to that as a very 
fundamental foundational piece of who I am and how I operate, I can start to see lots of examples in the world of people who sadly don't love themselves. Now I'm projecting, I'm making a judgment, I'm making an interpretation. These people may well love themselves, but I'm part of some pretty amazing self-development groups. And I have to say that this is probably one of the things that comes up most frequently. I've just discovered that I really don't love myself very much. And the reason I discovered that is because I've really turned the torch on myself and all of the behaviors that I indulge in when things get difficult and when I fail or when I make mistakes or when I'm not measuring up to my own unrealistic expectations. Self-love always is at the core or a lack of more accurately. So if you're like most people, you probably have something of this going on yourself. And that's okay. Because self-love is not really taught in schools. And if you're from Australia, then tall poppy syndrome would see to it very quickly that if you were ever, ever demonstrating any kind of tendencies towards loving yourself and nurturing yourself, you would be teased mercilessly. There's a whole phrase, oh, you just love yourself. Like it's a bad thing, like it's an insult. But what could be further from the truth? We are incredible beings. I just read something today. The odds of us even being on the planet are like one in 500 trillion or something. As far as, you know, the chances of that one sperm meeting that one egg and all of the things aligning and going smoothly to result in a human being that is alive on the planet. Like the, the odds are stacked so far against us that it is absolutely no joke to call it the miracle of life. And yet, loving ourselves is seen culturally as a bad thing. This has to stop. This has to stop. The work that I do as a coach with men basically always ends up going down this path of, do you love yourself? Because here's the thing, my coach says this frequently and it's really something I've sat with and reflected on and I believe to be totally true. The things we love, we take care of. We bought our new car. We love the car. It's a thing. It's an object. I get that. That's a little bit sad, but we love it. We love going for drives in it. We love how it makes us feel. We love how it looks. We love the fancy newness of it. And we look after it. We take care of it. When we become parents or when we become married or partnered, we take care of the person whom we love. We look after the things that we love and the people that we love. But culturally, we don't turn that back to ourselves. Why is that? I can't tell you. I don't have the answer. But to me, it's a fundamental piece of bringing our best selves into the world. And yet we just completely neglect it. Think through this in your own life. Do you pay close attention to your physical health? Do you pay close attention to and take care of how you eat? Do you look after your sleep routine? 
Do you look after your downtime to just let your brain and your body unwind and rest? Do you even give yourself permission to rest? That's a whole other episode I'm going to talk about. All of these things are acts of self-love. Giving ourselves what we need. But even at a more basic level, giving ourselves permission to give ourselves what we need is actually a radical act of self-love. Giving ourselves permission to get eight hours sleep and say to the world, I'm not available for the next eight hours because I need to rest. I'm clocking off at 8.30 so I can get to bed by nine o'clock so I can get up at five and choose to spend time on myself, with myself, because I love myself. Which incidentally is my personal sleep routine, but that's here or there. Our energy, our life, our friendships, our relationships, our work, how we spend our time on weekends, after work, with the people we care about, without the people we care about, all of these things are an extension of and a lens through which we can view how much do we love ourselves. Now, it's a spectrum, right? Some of us, and I'm using the word us, I'm part of the human experience. I'm not some god on a mountaintop who has all of this figured out or some Zen Buddhist monk or something with enlightenment up my sleeve as an ace card. I'm still learning all of the things and I'm still figuring this stuff out as I go along. So, but some of us are completely okay with the idea that we love ourselves. We practice it daily and we always return to that like it's our North Star. Some of us are filled with self-loathing. Some of us, we can barely stand to be in the same room as ourselves alone. I've personally had this experience where I just couldn't sit still because I was really, really uncomfortable at being on my own with my own thoughts in silence. It's taken me a very long time to cultivate a very healthy meditation practice of simply sitting in silence. I really want you to consider whereabouts do you sit on that spectrum of, you know, on the one end, like chronic self-loathing and on the other end, nurtured and nourishing self-love. And wherever you are at is completely perfect. My wife says this all the time in her work. Wherever you are at is perfect. There's no judgment. There's no wrong. There's no meaning. It simply is what it is. And the upside is, now that you are aware of this, you can begin to make changes. You can begin to take different actions with your new awareness. So my self-love practices begin always with my sleep. I need and value good quality sleep. So to me, that means no caffeine after about two o'clock in the day. That means no screens after about 8.30 at night. TV not so bad. I can stay up late watching a movie or later watching a movie, but generally speaking, computer screens, phone screens, video games after 8.30 is pretty much a no-no because my brain is just so wired that sleep takes a while to arrive and it affects the quality of me going to sleep. 
but I'm usually in bed asleep by 9.30, I'm up by 5. And then my self-love practices begin in the morning after a great night's sleep. I do some personal development work for about an hour, hour and a half. I do some meditation. I do a short workout, like a cardio training session. And I have a spectacular coffee. And it's partly because, you know, I love the kick, but it's partly because I just really, really love the flavor of coffee. And that is a way of nourishing and nurturing and showing love to myself. I drink a ton of water. I'm always carrying a water bottle around the place, no matter where I am. It always is with me because I just drink a lot of water to keep my body hydrated, to keep my system humming and well flushed. And I eat as well as I can, as often as I can. Now I'm not, as I said, some sort of ascetic or a monk or something like that. So I love chocolate. I love fried food. I have all of the same weaknesses and tendencies that food manufacturers prey on as the next person, but I also have a pretty strong and clear sense of what I need, what I don't need and what really works for my body versus what doesn't work for my body. So I do look after what I eat. I look after my body. I look after my mind. I do a lot of that kind of stuff. And that's just me. But here's what I've discovered by focusing inward on those things. And by really learning this lesson of loving myself as fully as I can, choosing myself, choosing what I need and unashamedly, unabashedly, without guilt, claiming what I need to be my best, I actually have learned that that is the fundamental key for me being great elsewhere in my life. If I lack sleep, if I'm not eating well, if I'm not exercising, if I'm not taking care of my mind, all of these things or any one of them for a prolonged period will lead to me being, pardon the French, an asshole. I will not be my best self in my marriage, in my role as a father, in my work, in my role as a coach, in any of these areas. I just simply won't be my best. And it's so important to me that I commit to and follow through on these actions of self-love so that I can be my best everywhere else in the world. So I want to flip this around to you as I do at the end of every episode or at the tail end of every episode. What does life look like for you at the moment? Are there things that you are tolerating? Are there things that you are putting up with? Are there things in your life or characteristics or or factors at play that do not serve you, but in fact, that harm you? Things that you do, do you eat more than you should or the wrong types of food? Do you drink calcium? too much coffee or too much alcohol or not enough water, you know, like they're just real basic things, how you fuel your body. But then do you dress your body nicely? Do you say nice things in your head when you see yourself in a mirror? Do you accept compliments graciously and with love or do you deflect them? All of these things are all symptoms of either your love of yourself or your lack of self-love for yourself. Now, here's the big picture for me. I firmly believe that an enormous amount of the world's ills come from the men in powerful positions 
simply not loving themselves at all or enough, but you know, not loving themselves fully. You can probably think of a couple of world leaders who act out and are aggressive and throw tantrums and really don't have a connection to a core of integrity. To me, that's a symptom of low self-love. And then the inability to show compassion elsewhere is even further a symptom of low self-love. My work, the more I dig into this, what I'm on the planet for is to share what I have learned about radical self-love, to share what it means for men especially, for men especially, to learn to love themselves fully and completely. Now I'm going to make a book recommendation on this topic. The author is a man called Kamal Ravikant. I will put a link in the show notes. The book is called Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. It is a transformational book. I got the first edition probably seven or eight years ago. It has been a constant companion of mine. It's bloody marvelous. It's just been rewritten and deeply expanded. And it actually... It's just a, a wonderful, wonderful book that highlights all of the different ways that this man, Mr. Ravikant, has actually explored self-love and the practices that he has used to help nourish himself. One of the biggest ones, the simplest ones that I just want to share with you real quick, even if you don't read the book, just consider this. It's to just simply say to ourselves, I love myself. I love myself. I'm saying to you, I love myself. I love who I am. I didn't always, but I do now. One of the reasons for that is that every morning when I sit in meditation for anywhere from 10 to 20 minutes, I have a mantra and the mantra is, I love myself. I literally repeat that in my mind silently to myself for 10 to 15 to 20 minutes every single morning in my meditation. I love myself. I love myself over and over. And it is so cringy and so challenging and so difficult to start with. I remember so vividly when I first read this book and read about this practice that Kamal Ravikant speaks of in the book. I was just like, oh, that feels so difficult. That feels so foreign. Yet, it's like anything new. It feels weird until it doesn't. It feels uncomfortable until it feels comfortable. And so I did it. And it has been profound. And now that is a daily practice of mine to tell myself mentally that I love myself. And that sinks into my subconscious. That reprograms how I think about myself. That reprograms my self-talk, my subconscious, my language, my inner voice, all of the stuff, however you want to describe it. And now I can proudly and gladly and without fear of judgment or reprisal tell you that I love myself and it is because I love myself that I am expanding and growing and improving who I am. I am facing up to the shadows in my own character and personality and I'm working on the stuff that makes me uncomfortable because I love who I am and I want to be my best. 
It's one of the reasons I'm putting this podcast out every week, but it's also one of the reasons I do an exercise program every morning. That's been really the hardest habit for me to build for the longest time. But when I realized how connected it was to self-love and that actually keeping my word to myself, self-integrity and doing physical exercise to look after my physical body was an act of radical self-love, then it became so much easier. So I really want you to think about, do you love yourself? And if you do, sensational. It's a pleasure having you as part of the club. And if you don't, or if you think that you could do some improving on that, firstly, love yourself for where you are and for your acknowledgement and your awareness. Don't start using that as a, as a whip to crack yourself over the back with. Just use it as a guidepost to say, okay, this is where I am right now and where do I want to be? I want to be over there where I love myself more fully, so let's take ourselves over there. And one of the places to start is that book I mentioned, which, as I said again, linked in the show notes. And another place to start is to simply say to yourself, every morning, I love myself. Do it for a minute, do it for five minutes, do it for 20 minutes, whatever works for you but start somewhere and then think about each time you do something that perhaps doesn't help your body or each time you uh, tolerate a, a negative relationship or bad circumstances that don't serve you. Are you doing it because it's on the way to somewhere else or are you doing it purely because you don't love yourself enough to choose yourself and to choose a path out of that? I'm going to keep talking about this in future episodes. This is going to become a cornerstone of my work. Well, it is a cornerstone of my work, but I'm going to make it a vocal cornerstone of my work because radical self-love, particularly as a man, is very foreign, is not culturally normalized and is very heavily stereotyped or, or stigmatized. And it's so important and it's so valuable and it is literally life-changing I just want every man in the world to love themselves fully and completely. I'm going to leave it there. Wherever you are in the world, may you be loved. Know that I love you, but also know that you love you. Even if it's buried fairly deep down, there's still a glimmer of it. Thank you for joining me for another episode. Thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing my podcast with your friends and family, with people you think might benefit from this and other conversations. And if you are interested in exploring this a little further for yourself, if this has resonated with you and you think, you know what, I think I'd like to explore that some more. I'd like to maybe get a bit of guidance. I'd like to develop and cultivate a better routine around loving myself and being my best and unpicking the shadows and bringing them into the light, then give me a buzz. I am a vulnerability coach. I help guide men and women, mostly men, back to what matters most in your life. And frankly, nothing matters more in your life than you and your sense of love for yourself. So that's ultimately where the work ends up. But you know, it can start anywhere and we can go anywhere with it. So please, if you think you would like to work with me, I have some coaching spots available. The link to contact me is in the show notes. I look forward to speaking with you soon. Signing off. I love you all. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Illuminating Lives podcast. It's been a pleasure having you with me and I'm really grateful for your time and attention. If you resonated with this episode, 
please leave me a great five-star review in your favorite podcast app and please share these podcast episodes with your friends and family, with your loved ones, with your significant other, with anyone who you think might benefit from the things that I have to say and share. Make sure you subscribe so that every time I record a new episode, it pops up in your feed. If you're interested in working with me directly or you want to continue this conversation, please hit me up on social media. Most places I'm at Israel P. Smith, uh, or you can visit my website directly, which is israelsmith.com. And there you can learn about my coaching and other services. Thanks again for joining me on the Illuminating Lives podcast. And I hope you have a great day.